Good morning, saints. God's grace be with each and every one of you. From Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Why don't we read this all together before we get into the message. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. You may be seated, please, if you'd like. So Paul comes to us this morning in many different ways. First here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, this comes from an individual who was raised in the Jewish faith, was close to God, about as close as you can get. I mean, he even says that if anybody has broomed to boast about their relationship with God, it was him coming from the tribe of Benjamin, given a authority and power, and here he is, what, a Christian Jew, a Jewish Christian, boldly proclaiming, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. He's not ashamed. It doesn't matter to him if he is persecuted, if he is rejected, if he is chased out of towns, if he loses friends, he's not ashamed. He's going to stand upright and he's going to proclaim Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he knows that he knows grace. I mean, grace and forgiveness is said throughout the Old Testament. And Paul certainly knows the Old Testament. So he knows that God talks about that word grace in the New Testament. Testimony, it's loving mercy and kindness, it's chesed, it's this unbelievable love that God shows for his people. But here he meets the risen Christ on the way to Damascus, and now he knows God's love because he has met the risen Christ. He has seen the power of God at work. Once this Jesus was dead, now he is raised. And this Jesus knows me, and he knows my sin, and he knows my guilt, and he loves me still. And because of him, I have life. So Paul says, try to keep me quiet. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this is the great dynamic that Christians in this world face all too frequently. We're all baptized Christians, baptized into the name of Jesus. We know the power of God that brings salvation. We know about the cross of Jesus. We receive the Lord's Supper. We are strengthened. We are emboldened. We have power to live our lives. And yet, there's something holding us back, right? There's something holding us back from proclaiming in word and deed whatever we say and do in the name of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, part of it is we live in a broken world. Part of it is our humanness. We want to be accepted by everybody. We all want to be liked, right? Who doesn't want to be liked? Let me see your hands. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be? We all want to be liked. We all want to be accepted. And so sometimes in our humanness or in our weakness, 
we're not bold in our witness of Jesus. We take a little step back. We allow things to be said or done. We're not going to take issue with it. We don't want to put our religion into somebody else's life. We want to be respectful of other people's opinions. And we've come to accept that. So we don't speak boldly. It's not that we are ashamed. It's just that we are in our weakness and in our humanness, allow ourselves to be manipulated by the world. We can take much encouragement from the gospel of Jesus right here in Romans chapter 1. It allows us to go back into our spiritual life with Christ and realize that we have been given hope in the resurrection. We have been given grace through the body and blood of Jesus. We have given the means of grace through the living and abiding word that is in each and every one of us. It allows us to recall our baptism in Christ. It may be dark and dreary out there, but God tells us in his word that he is the light of life. That we have hope. We have encouragement. We have strength in him. Isaiah is prophesying here in the, the book of uh, Isaiah in the ninth chapter. He's talking historically 800, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, telling the people in the north that they will be held captive. The Assyrian army is breathing down their neck. We've talked about this a little bit in the past few weeks, especially during the Christmas narrative. That in the south, in Judah, there was prosperity and peace, but up in the north, during the time of Isaiah, the Assyrian army ravaged them. And took them captive, defeated them. There was no hope. And Isaiah prophesies during this time that, yes, you will be humbled. You will be defeated. In your disobedience, God will come and he will exact the punishment. But he's not done with you. Because he says there will be a time when the people who are in darkness will see a great light. He is prophesying the birth, the coming of the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. He will walk in darkness up in the north, Israel, north of Jerusalem, in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. That's where he will, that's where he will be. And then we see the appearance of Christ in the book of Matthew, which we've been following throughout the, the season of Christmas and into, into Epiphany. Just as a brief summary, Matthew gives us the genealogy of Jesus, tells us where he comes from, who he will be. We see through the scriptures that Jesus makes his entrance and he is baptized in the Jordan River standing with sinners in filthy water, allowing himself to be humbled and to be baptized by John, only to be raised up from the water where the Holy Spirit visibly anoints him as the Son of God. And then Matthew tells us following the baptism of Jesus, 
You know what happens next? He's led out into the desert where he wrestles with Satan, where he's tested, where he begins his ministry alone, standing on the word of God and coming out victorious. And then following that, he is met with some news. The news is that John, who baptized you, John, who is so close to you, he's been arrested, and he's in prison. And why has he been arrested? Because he spoke the word of God, and he called out a leader of the land who was engaged in immoral conduct. And because the leader of that land did not want to hear about the word of God, about not just living, but living with God, he had John arrested and ultimately executed. So Jesus doesn't just receive the news that his friend, John, has been arrested, but that the kingdom of God is under attack. This is what drives him now to begin his ministry. Where does he go? The gospel tells us this morning, the first place he goes upon hearing that John has been arrested, that the kingdom of heaven is under attack, he goes north to Zebulon and Naphtali, where Isaiah said he would appear. He goes into the darkness of dark, where there is no hope. He goes to where the sinners are, where the people who have been under attack live. That's where he makes his appearance. Isn't that striking? It's not just only to fulfill prophecy, but it's to establish who he is. Victorious coming out with his battle with Satan and now taking that power, his baptism, and going and living with people who live in darkness. What does that mean? To live in darkness. What does it mean? Well, there's a lot of metaphors we can use, but what does spiritual darkness look like? It's 85 degrees outside and the sun is shining. People are enjoying the waterfront downtown, taking cruises along the Chicago River, enjoying the time out at Navy Pier watching the boats, looking at the aircraft, people laughing, eating hot dogs, french fries. Beautiful day. Is there spiritual darkness? Would we say that there is spiritual darkness around us? Or would we be just enjoying what we can physically see out there? God would say, it could be 85 degrees and a sunny day at Navy Pier, but people don't know me. They might be enjoying themselves and laughing, but do they know the risen Christ? If not, it doesn't matter if the skies are fair and there's a nice breeze coming off the lake. There's spiritual darkness. That's the word of God that comes to us and drives us as Christians, as people of faith, 
not to embrace the things that we can see, but what we can't. We're not to judge what is in an individual's heart. We can only speak of what we know. We can only speak of who we know. We allow the Holy Spirit to direct the words and our actions in the name of Jesus to where it is needed most. It's living our lives unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew, to the Gentile, to the person who is black, to the person who is white, to the person who is Hispanic, to the person who is Asian, it's for everyone who believes. We don't choose who receives the gospel. God wants everyone to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It's what drives Paul to write these words. It's what drives Paul to go to the church in Corinth, where there are factions within the church. Can you believe that? When he is talking about our schismata, schisms, Factions, literally translated from the Greek, it's a tear in the cloth. He rives and he understands that he hears from Chloe's household. Oh, yeah, Chloe, what a blabber about she is. She had to go tell the apostle about what's going on in our church. <laughs> Paul learns through Chloe's household that there are schismata going on in the Corinth church. And he tells them, who are you baptized in? Because some were baptized by Peter, and some were baptized by Apollos, and some were baptized by Paul, apparently. And they were getting their kind of like strength of who they were because they were saying, you know, Peter, he baptized me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well... I happen to know Apollos, and he baptized me. And there were little divisions, a little one-upsmanship going on. All right, confirmation class. Where does the power of baptism come from? It's in that special water that we put in the font, right? It's that nice special water that we get shipped in here. No, it's not the special water. It's the power of God that affects baptism, that brings faith. It's the power of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. That's how we know God's promises are true. It's based on his past actions. Baptism doesn't get its effect because the pastor happens to be a nice guy. Or I like the pastor has nothing to do with it. You may not like the pastor. You may think he's a scoundrel. But when he baptizes that individual at that font, it doesn't matter who the pastor is or who that servant happens to be because it's the word of God that stands independently of him. Your baptism does not perish, spoil, or fade away, according to the Apostle Peter. 
not because of the person baptizing you, but you were baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God's power attached to the sacrament lives in you. The word of God lives in you. Never to be taken away. That's what Paul's message is. What is dividing you? Did I save you, Paul asks? Was it me? No. Only Christ. And he stands certain and powerful in the word of God, knowing of his grace and of his forgiveness, the love that comes through the power of the gospel. Our identity is in Christ. Even if there is schismata all around us, we know there are. There are factions tearing at us. Could be in the political arena. We identify with who? Republican? Democrat? I follow him. No, I follow him. I follow her. I follow him. We've got all these factions running around about who we identify with. God's word comes and tells us we identify with the risen Christ. That's who and foremost who we are. There are factions in our personal lives with family members or friends. There are factions tearing at us in our workplace or in our schools. Paul brings us back to the central understanding of the gospel. It's based on forgiveness and reconciliation through Christ. It's the peace that passes all of our understanding. It's what God gives to us on a platter, saying, receive it with joy. It's yours, free, not based on who you are, but who Christ is. He stands independently of all factions and disagreements, and he lives for us today. That's our message. That's our hope in the church, in our Christian lives, but that is our message to people living in darkness. Christ will return, but until he does, he will be using you and me to bring that message of hope to people everywhere. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Receive it with joy, grow in the knowledge of his grace, and share the goodness of Jesus until his glorious return. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.